So Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 is what we've been going through in the uh, English Standard Version. And it says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So we have been uh, uh, on a journey together, and uh, our destination is peace. Uh, I hope, pray, and believe that some of you are starting to see uh, some peace in your life, feel peace, smell peace, you know, just get to know what God is meaning by all that. And uh, so we're choosing to leave anxiousness, and, and through prayer, supplication, thanksgiving, and requests, we are heading to peace. Amen? Amen? We are choosing to leave those things that are taking our eyes off of Jesus specifically. We are choosing to uh, uh, allow ourselves not to be anxious about things that we can't control. We are choosing to allow ourselves not to be anxious about things that we can control, things that often only God can handle. We're choosing to turn our attention off of those things and put them on Jesus through prayer, through supplication, thanksgiving, and requests. If you have missed uh, any of those other sermons that started about three, four weeks ago, we're working on getting those online. Kevin uh, has been working real hard for me and uh, for you as well to get them on our podcast. We're, we just switched websites, so bear with us if we don't have the videos up yet and stuff like that, but we're working on all of that. Amen? Amen. So uh, my map analogy helping us kind of track our journey it just falls a little bit short. Uh, it, it is good to, 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 for the purpose of this series, and it has helped us kind of understand some of these specific aspects, but it, it's so overlapping. They're so overlapping, it becomes one. This is just really, it becomes one, like prayer, supplication, thanksgiving, request, all become kind of one, like we talked about last week, uh, mixing up stuff in a blender, you know, it becomes one conglomeration. But unfolding it as we have on this journey uh, can help us understand the parts. Now, here's a, a secret. It's not really a secret. Uh, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace. Amen? He is peace. Prayer and supplication are built on knowing him intimately. Thanksgiving is about looking back at what he has already done. Amen? Uh, specifically looking back at the cross. The whole journey is about Jesus. He is peace. If you're waiting for this, you know, kind of this big aha moment, sometimes people are waiting, well, I need God to do this, or I need God to do that, and, and we're waiting for this aha moment, and, and, and then we'll, we'll have some of that peace. But the truth is, if you've accepted Christ as your Savior, it doesn't matter what's going around you in this journey. It doesn't matter how difficult it is. It doesn't matter how confusing it is. You have Peace, amen? But to finish out our journey, we're going to look at requests today, requests. And, and yes, yes, we're going to find two exits like we have on, on, every, on every one, and prayer, general, and intentional, supplication, general, intentional, thanksgiving, general, intentional. We're going to find today two exits as well, general and intentional. Uh, so, uh, let me pray, and you join me, and let's just ask God to 
Help us receive what he would have for us today. Father, uh, we do come to you and ask for your presence, ask for your anointing. Lord, we ask for you to be with us as we look to your word. Lord, as we kind of dissect Philippians 4, 6, I pray you help us um, get, get what you want us to get out of this, not what we think we should get, but what you want us to get out of this. And we'll be careful to give you the glory and the honor and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer. Let me ask you a, a quick question. What are you anxious about today, right now? You don't have to say that out loud. That's rhetorical, but just think about it. What are you anxious about today, right now? What are you anxious? Now, why? Now, think. Okay, get that in your mind. Take a few minutes. What are you anxious about? What are you struggling with? What? Where's your your anxiety at? And uh, why? What you're anxious about right now, why does it not fit or why is it not included in this passage? You know, do not be anxious about anything. But, but wait, this is, this, is, this is too big, Billy. Is it? You know, it, it, it does fit. It doesn't matter what you're facing. It does fit. It is included, big or small, it's included today in this text of do not be anxious about anything, anything. But by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Requests. The word request is simple. We understand it. It's to ask, um, but it gives attention to the content of the request. Come on, y'all got to pay attention to that. You got to hear that. It, 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 it is about asking, but it gives attention to the content of the request. And we're going to spend some time talking about that because there are general requests and there are intentional requests. And, and they kind of line up a lot. They overlap with general intentional prayer, supplication, and all that. They, like I said, they kind of become one conglomerate. But, but let's talk about some general requests that you may have. You know, God help me today. To get out of bed, you know that might be a request. You know, you maybe you you had a night shift and now you're switching to day shift and you're just really tired. You might roll your feet out of bed and say, "God, help me today. God, please take this sickness away." Maybe you've been struggling with some sickness. I don't know. God, protect my kids as they travel to school. Help this meeting to go well. You're going into a meeting Monday morning. Maybe that's a cry of yours. You know, help this meeting. That's a general request. It's not a bad request. Nothing wrong with it. It's a good request. Yes, God can hear that. Lord, I know this. This is uh, first world problems, but my car is running funny and it worries me. It worries me. I remember when we did our first ever uh, car clinic at the church I used to pastor. We did a car clinic for the community and this uh, lady drove her car in and we had, I don't know, 15 points we'd go through on the car and check things. Uh, you know, the, we had mechanics with us that gave us the equipment and told us what to do. Then the mechanic would come and look at it and uh, uh, the car she drove in was, was, you know, just shiny, like brand new. She never put any miles on it. And, uh, you know, the tires looked brand new. Everything was just fine with this car. And she brought it to our clinic. And it was, but it, the clinic was for widows and single moms. And she happened to be a widow. She was in her mid-80s, but her husband had died about two years earlier. And it was our first car clinic. And I'll never forget her saying, to me, um, I am so thankful that y'all did this because my husband used to check all these things 
and I wasn't scared to drive. But he's gone, and now I'm scared to drive, you know, because I don't know if my tires are good. I don't know if my lights are working. I don't know, and you guys have told me all that. You know, I, I just think that is an incredible, incredible thing, you know. And, it, it, yeah, first world problems, but it's okay to go to the Lord and say, God, this is concerning me. Please help me with this. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? So that's general requests. There's also intentional requests. You know, perhaps you walk around with a prayer list or you have one on your computer or your phone. You have a prayer list that you keep updated. And, you know, uh, back in the 80s and 90s, prayer lists were a big thing, you know, and everybody had a prayer list. And maybe it's still a big thing to you, and that's wonderful, you know. That's an intentional request. You know, maybe you have lost loved ones. You call out on a regular basis. You call their names out, family members, loved ones, friends you grew up with. With, uh, uh, you know, a friend of yours uh, gets a bad diagnosis. That becomes uh, an intentional request that you are calling out to the Lord for. Uh, specific financial needs, specific, uh, you know, you know, a test for college students. You're, you're going into a final exam, and you're worried about that. That's, that is intentional, specific requests. You know, a coworker that you have a hard time with. These are intentional requests that we may set aside time to call out to God. Wonderful thing to do. But two things, two things that you have to understand about requests, whether they're general or intentional, okay? This is, this is the meat of our message today. It's not about making a request, general or intentional. Those are fairly easy to understand, wouldn't we say? Yes? Okay? But these are very important. This is very important. Two things you need to understand about making a request. Number one, motives matter. Motives matter. And the second thing we're going to look at is sincerity matters. And what I mean by sincerity is your desire or your passion. So motives matter and your desire and your passion in making those requests known to God matter as well. Are you following me? So a request, back to what we, how we define it, is to ask, but it gives attention to the content of the request. Sometimes, like the old saints used to say, we ask amiss and can cause a mess. You ever heard anybody say that? We ask amiss and we can cause a mess. Psalm 106 says this in verse 13. It says, yet how quickly they forget what he has done. Listen to the words of this psalm. How quickly they forget what he, speaking of God, has done. They wouldn't wait for his counsel. Now we're going to go on with a few verses, but I want to stop there and tell you that on our journey that we looked at on our map, our journey, uh, one way to make sure we don't quickly forget what he has done is to practice thanksgiving. We talked a lot about that last week. It, it, it means Eucharist. It's looking back to what God has done. Amen? So we look back to what God has done, and it helps us not to forget what he's done. And But they wouldn't wait for his counsel. Verse 14, in the wilderness, their desires ran wild. Listen to that. In the wilderness, their desires ran wild, testing God's patience in that dry wasteland. Wow. I mean, there's so much there. Think about it. In the wilderness, the dry wasteland, they're in the desert, and their, their desires are running wild. And verse 15 is very alarming. It says, so he gave them what they asked for. But he sent a, sent a plague along with it. What? That kind of jacks some of us up, doesn't it? 
that kind of just messes with us, you know. You know, we're just like, wait a minute, wait a minute. God is love, you know. God is, what, what's up with this, you know. I don't, I don't get it. And I'm like, well, neither do I. <laughs> but it's there. Verse 15, so he gave them what they asked for, but he sent a plague along with it. It has everything to do with their motives. Their motives. Let me read verse 16. The people in the camp were jealous of Moses and envious of Aaron, the Lord's holy priest. In verse 17, because of this, the earth opened up. It swallowed Dathan and buried Abiram and the other rebels. Motives matter. Motives matter. Do you hear me? Motives matter. Uh, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 2, I'll put it on overhead. Uh, People may be pure in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their motives. He examines their motives. 1 Corinthians 4, 5 says, For he, he will bring out our darkest secrets. He, he, he will bring out our darkest secrets to light and will reveal our private motives. For he will bring our darkest secrets to light and will reveal our private motives. Motives matter. Motives matter. When we make our requests known to God, general, specific, intentional, it doesn't matter. Motives matter. Uh, one last scripture, James 4.3, and even when you ask, you do not get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. You want only what will give you pleasure. Um. So when I was in Bible college, we had a mission service every Friday night. Uh, um, after we got married, we didn't go to every one, but we went to, we went to uh, the ones we could make, you know. And uh, before uh, we got married, I'd go every Friday night because, you know, I, I wasn't married and didn't have a family. And, but uh, they were always great services. They were Friday nights, uh, brought in a missionary. We had worship, and, and the missionary would preach, and... and uh, I'll never forget this one Friday night service I went to. They had a guy speaking. He was from India. He was a national. He was Indian. And, uh, you know, he had that heavy accent that was so cool, you know. And, and, um, but I'll never forget this. Um, he started sharing his testimony. And in these particular services, it was at a, a, a Bible college, you know, the, all college students. Most of us didn't have any money. And, I mean, you know, just the way it is, you know. And uh, uh, so they just didn't take offerings at these, these uh, particular services. But I'll never forget that the student body was so moved that, at this service that they gathered a spontaneous offering for him and raised quite a bit of money for him. But uh, it, was, it was just incredible. But uh, he shared stuff like um, he had planted a church and was preaching the gospel and uh, people busted in the church and grabbed him and drug him out of the church by his hair and uh, had machetes, you know, and uh, they were going to kill him and literally were going to kill him. And his wife and children saw all this, you know, and, and they drug him uh, outside of the church to behead him. And uh, he was saved uh, that day uh, literally by angels, by an angel of God. I mean, it was just a remarkable story and, um, you know, uh, there was no question what God had done, you know. And he had story after story like that, you know. It was just, in, it just insane. But uh, he, was, he was not, um, 
he had come to Bible college, Central Bible College, but the God had just moved in him and said, you need to go back to your country now. And he's like, I ha- I don't f- I'm not finished my degree. I'm not credentialed. I don't care. He's like, I don't have any support. I don't have anything. And God's like, no, you're going now. And God sent him back to India. This was his return trip, you know, and he was sharing some of these stories. I'll never forget this. Uh, when he was coming back to America uh, to try to raise some type of support and some type of, you know, so he had lived in America for quite a few years before he went back to India. So his kids had been raised in America for most of their vulnerable years, you know, when they were little. And so they're, he's getting on the airplane. He's at the airport. He's leaving. He's going to be gone for two or three months. And they're all hugging and crying. His little girl, she's like five or six years old. And he says, baby, what, what do you want daddy to bring you? Anything I can bring you, I'm going to bring you from America, you know. And she's like, this is, this is years and years ago. There's, you know, but she's like, will you please bring me some pizza from Pizza Hut? That's what she wanted, you know. Now, there's pizza huts all across India now, but back then there wasn't, you know. And she said, I just want some pizza, Dad. And he's like, okay, babe, I'll try, I'll do my best, you know. And then he got to his 14-year-old son, and this is, this is what just gripped our hearts that night in that service. But he said, son, what do you want me to bring you from America? And his son just started weeping, just started weeping. And he said, Dad, I want you to bring back a double portion of the anointing. A double portion of the anointing. I want you to bring back more of God. We need God so bad, Dad. I need you to bring back God. He said, okay, son, I'll do the best I can. And that was his prayer request that night at that mission service. Will you pray that I can bring back more of God? Can you imagine that? Motives. You think that 14-year-old had bad motives in acting, asking that? His motives were, he was motivated by the presence of God and by the things God had done. He had, he had practiced thanksgiving. He could look back and see what God had done. You know what I mean? Sometimes we say, God doesn't hear my prayer, but maybe we need to examine our heart and check our motives. You know, Jesus set an example of prayer. When in need, he prayed. When making important decisions, he prayed. When confused, he prayed. When struggling, he prayed. When facing death, he prayed. When tired and lonely, he prayed. When being nailed to the cross, he prayed. And in dying, in his last breath, he prayed. He's our supreme example in prayer. His prayers were pure in motives. I don't want to die on the cross, but not my wills. Yours be done, God. The only time I can think of that he actually taught on prayer, and there, there may be more instances, but this is what comes to my mind without doing, uh, you know, some study, but is Matthew 6. It's a teaching tool, de- uh, teaching the disciples to pray because they had asked him, hey, teach us to pray. And he said clearly that we are to pray for the Lord's will to be done. Your will be done, not ours. Motives matter. Motives matter. So how do we make sure our motives are right? If motives are that important, there's got to be a way for us to make sure our motives are right. And let me just tell you this. Don't get led down uh, or drawn down some legalistic path of thinking you have, you have to pray the exact correct prayer, you know, or, or you have to end, you know, 
uh, every prayer with your will be done in Jesus' name. You know, you have to end it that way or God's not going to hear. You know, or God, or, or you're going you're gonna to get struck dead because you didn't pray for his will, you know. Don't get led down that path. That's a bunch of garbage. Or don't get led down this path that you're, you know, you think God is waiting to curse you when you say a selfish prayer. I mean, he knows we struggle with the flesh. He loves us anyways. Do you know that? He loves us anyways. His desire is that, that his, he, you know, his desires become our, his desires become our desires. That's his desire. <laughs> Amen? It's a process. It's a journey. And, and, and it's a great, big, wonderful journey that we've been talking about. And I hope some of you are on it. I, and, and if you're not on it, I hope you're jumped into it. Glory to God. Have I ever prayed with wrong motives? Yes, absolutely, 100%. But I get up and I try again, you know. Yes, I pray selfish prayers sometimes and, and you know, and I, I, I don't want to be that way, but I am that way. And, and so don't get all caught up thinking, oh, man, I missed it, you know. Yeah, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss it. But just, just understand this, that motives matter. And as we're trying to align ourselves with Jesus, we're trying to align ourselves with him and who he is, God sees our hearts, glory to God. So how do we make sure our motives are right? Well, guess what? It's the same way we make sure our money is going to the right places. It's the same way we make sure our time is spent in the right places. It's the same way we make sure our desires are in the right places. How do we make sure our time, our talents, and our treasures are going the right direction? We simply make sure he has our heart, that we belong to him. We get right, we live right, and we stay right. Amen? It's about the roots it's about the roots. A good tree does not bear bad fruit, Matthew 7. Uh, how much bad fruit does a good tree bear? None. A good tree does not bear bad fruit. John 15 says in verse 3 and 4, you've already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. Then he says this, remain in me and I will remain in you. What is that? Remain in me. We get right, we live right, we stay right. Remain in me, for a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine. You want to make sure your motives are pure? Remain in Christ. Remain in him. You cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Your motives will not be pure if you're outside of Christ. Uh, then verse 7 and 8 says, But if you remain in me and my word remains in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. Why? Because your motives are pure. You remain in me, my words remain in you, and you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. Remaining in the vine is how we make sure our motives are pure. Remaining in the vine. Staying connected with Jesus is how we produce fruit. How we operate with the correct motives. So here's the question. What are you connected to today? What are you connected to today? What are you connected to today? 
motives matter. Request is to ask, but, but gives attention to the content of the request. Motives matter. Motives matter. But so does sincerity or desire or passion. Sincerity or desire or passion. Let me talk about this just for a little bit. James chapter 5, verse 16, B and following says this. The earnest prayer of a righteous person, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Elijah was as human as we are, and yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. Earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Listen to that. Earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Number one, pay attention. Pay attention to what we're reading here. It's a different verse, but it's saying the same thing. Motives matter. Why? Because it's the earnest prayer of a righteous person. How are we made righteous? Only through the blood. You're only righteous through the blood of Jesus. So the connection, your, the roots matter. The roots produce good fruit. That's where your motives come from. So this supports what I've been saying all along, earnest prayer. Now this is where earnest prayer, the word earnest is where we get the English word or the English idea of energizes. It energizes me. It's, it's to set at work. The idea of effective working. So we could read it this way. The prayer with energy prayer with energy, the energizing prayer of a righteous man, the effective working prayer of a righteous man produces wonderful results. Prayer takes work. It takes work. It's not all just about the general prayer. It's, it takes work. It takes energy. We've got to put some effort into it. Prayer energizes our life. It energizes our church. It energizes our walk with God. When we put energy into it, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Sincerity matters. Desire or passion matters. I could spend a lot of time here encouraging you to make your requests known to God with pure motives and sincere, sincere, passionate heart. We could look at the Israelites and, you know, how after 400 years of slavery, their cry was heard from God. It took them 400 years to get to that point where their cry was heard, you know, but they prayed passionately. They were crying out to God. We could talk about Jesus being heard. Why? Because of his pious, loud crying to God, Hebrews 5. He, that's why he was heard, the same reason we're heard. We could talk about the Psalms and when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of their troubles. We could talk about uh, how he fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears the cry and saves them. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call him in truth. But the truth is this. I don't know exactly how to explain. I, I don't... I don't know how to articulate this clearly, but I know that I know that I know there's a difference between a request made earnestly, energetically, and one made with no sincerity or passion, even though your motives are pure. So I, I always illustrate this point with my children when, when they get hurt. Uh, 
there's a different cry that comes from them when then when they just, you know, want gummy snacks or whatever, you know. And they don't get their snacks, you know what I mean? But but we got to go on a cruise a couple of years ago, uh, the whole family, and you know those those ships are built to be on the sea, and so the doors are made out of steel. They're heavy, and uh, uh, Charlie got his finger in the in the side that pinches, you know, the side of the door, and there was a, a lip there, and I I thought it snipped his finger clean off. I mean, it just slammed. The wind came through, and they they would tell you the wind will come through these doors, you know, and it slammed on his own finger, and and so here we are. We end up in the infirmary. On the ship, you know, I'm like, where's the, is there a doctor on this place? You know, got a, and they had to x-ray it and had to look at his little finger. And it was, it was bad, you know. But I'm going to tell you something. We got good food out of it. Charter was, Charter was talking about that just yesterday. He was like, man, they gave us, they gave us brownies and gave us ice cream, said, I'm so sorry about your little brother. And they gave us all, you know, yeah, so, so good things came out of it. But, but, uh, but. When that door slammed, the cry that came out of his mouth was a, a cry that parents immediately recognize. So, so I, don't, I don't know how to jive that together real super well other than to tell you that passion and desire in prayer matters. Now, one story I've shared a hundred times, but it gets the point across. I'm going to share it again. It was a Sunday night. I was preaching for the pastor. He was out of town. And it was a normal Sunday night crowd back when we used to have Sunday night services, you know. There was maybe 20, 30 people there, you know, I don't know. It was, you know, just a regular Sunday night crowd, those old saints of God that love God. But back then, back when I pastored, we used to do something we called afterburners. And, uh, and so the youth would come on Sunday nights and they'd come to the Sunday night service and then we'd go hang out at my house or go hang out somewhere and we call them afterburners, you know. But... Uh, but uh, so there were, I don't know, about 14 youth there that night and then the regular crowd. And uh, we had a youth sponsor there. Um, his name was, was Toby. And uh, uh, he was, uh, you know, we're, I'm preaching. I'm in the middle of my sermon. And through that door walks in a visitor. We didn't get many visitors on Sunday night. You know, just typically didn't get many visitors. And he sat over in that area. And I, I saw him. And I remember thinking, you know, because I was such a godly person, you know, thinking, oh, man, I'm going to have to say hi to somebody I don't know, you know. And uh, uh, I thought, well, I, I was tired. It was Sunday night. I had to get to this hangout. I had a lot to do. So I thought, well, I'm just going to slip by him. I had to go by him because that's where we had to get out that side, you know. I'm going to just slip right by him, you know, and not, not say nothing, you know. <laughs> and uh, I, I'm admitting my flaws to you. I realize that's not right. I'm not proud of that, but that's, I'm just being real honest with you. And so I slipped by thinking I'm going to get by him, and he taps me on the shoulder. Hey, can I talk to you? I'm like, sure, yeah, what's up? Hi, good to see you. Uh, my name's Billy. What's your name, you know? And uh, uh, now all of you think I hate you, and I just smile when you're here. That's not true. Not true. But anyway, about this time, the youth are gathering over in this area to pray. They're, they're gathered over here because my youth sponsor just told them, he said, hey, hey, before we leave, I just feel like we need to pray. That's what, he said, I don't know why, I just feel like we need to pray. So he gathers all the youth over there, and they're holding hands and praying. And about the exact time, I didn't know this was going on. I didn't know my youth sponsor felt that leading. About the exact time, this guy's tapping me on the shoulder. Hey, hey, can I talk to you? 
I'm like, sure, yeah, you can talk to me. And so he's looking at me, and then he's just telling me his story. He's a high priest in the satanic religion. I'm like, oh, that's great. <laughs> Pastor Brett, don't leave. My other associate, don't leave. He's like, okay, okay, I won't leave. And the turn back, now, now continue. He said, and he pulls up his sleeve, and he has, like, scars up and down his arms. And he says, I've invited hundreds of demons to live in me. And I was gambling at the casino, which is uh, north of Topeka. And he said, God told me to come to this church, and I would be set free. I said, really? He said, yeah. Well, about this time, you know, all this is happening simultaneously. My youth sponsor, God bless his soul, is over here, and he's saying to the kids, no, y'all got to pray. And they're like, we are praying. You know how you, we are praying. He's like, no, you got to pray. I mean, he's like, you got to pray. And so they start going after God, man. They start, who know, they start really getting passionate about their prayer. And about the time they start getting passionate, he starts doing this number. What are they, what are they doing? Why are they doing that? And I'm like, oh, what's going on? Oh, Lord. We, we cast over 80 demons out of that guy that night, over 80 of them. We were there till 3 in the morning casting demons out of this guy. God, God was just setting him free, and it all started with passionate desire until they started really praying. You know, they were just, it's okay to pray. God, I pray for Operation for Freedom and Andrew Dawson. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. That's, there's nothing wrong with that, is there? Nothing. But until that, I don't know, that youth pastor, he just felt this drive and he started pushing them and pushing. No, you got to pray. Come on, we got to pray. We got to pray. And then those kids, they started praying, man. They started, oh, God, oh, God, we pray. Oh, please, God, send Andrew Dawson. And then when they started praying, they started praying in the spirit. They just going after God, you know, sweating or whatever, you know, just that's when the, 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 the demons started getting restless in this guy. I can't explain that fully. I, I always regret sharing this story because people come up with all kind of questions I don't have answers to. But what I'm telling you tonight or this morning is this. Passion and desire make a difference. Amen? This is not talking about the volume of your prayer. Now, for some of you, it is. That's true. I'm one of those people. I'm driven by that volume, you know, I just, I am, you know. If I'm praying passionately, it's going to be loud. But that doesn't mean that's for everyone. That's okay. It's about a heart that is longing because I can be praying loud and my prayers are driven by wrong motives and are not passionate. Are you following me? Because it's about a heart of longing, the heart of faith, the heart of I got to touch him. I've got to touch him. I've got to grab hold of him. Blythe, would you come? Jesse, you remember that? Were you there that night? Yeah, Jesse was in, in the youth that night. She remembers that. I, that's how I remember it. Do you remember it kind of similar to that? Yeah, it was a long time ago. But yeah. So y'all got questions about that night? Ask Jesse. <laughs> she has all the answers. So, And uh, Look, people, <clears throat> people leave a service asking the hard questions sometimes. And I understand this. But what, 
about when God doesn't answer my requests. Made from a sincere, passionate heart. My motives are pure to the best of my ability. You say, I got to have the roots dug into Jesus. I, I'm saved to the best of my ability. I'm praying with right motives. But what about when my requests aren't answered? That's a great question. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to touch on it real quick, okay? The answer that I got growing up in, the, in Pentecost, anyway, when I first got saved, is this, that God always answers, always Yes, no, or wait. That was the answer. Anybody remember that? That's what they used to say. Yes, no, or wait. Um, and I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, you know, that's what I got, you know, so that's what I had to work with. And I didn't like that answer very much. But So I read this by uh, Marion Esclermond. He's a legal records administrator. Um, not a theologian. I love his answer. It's a beautiful answer. I want to read it to you. Marion Esclermond. He uh, is a former senior legal records administrator. He's retired now. But he says we pray because that's one of the main ways we stay in touch with God. It's one of the main ways we communicate with him. We open our heart to him, and he will open his heart to us. Listen. Listen to what he says. He gives a beautiful answer here. Can you imagine if you're a young bride, if you're if if a young bride said, "I'll speak with my husband when I want something like cash," or then that would that you know, why bother talking to him at all? Maybe not just a young bride, an old bride, you know. I'll speak to him when I want something. Wouldn't she be treating her husband? I am not calling you an old bride. I'm not going there. You just play the piano. Sit back here. Do you, there's your light. You'd be good. Okay. <laughs> All right. Whew. Other, other than that, why bother talking to him? Wouldn't she be treating her husband like an ATM? No relationship can be built of one per, if one person treats another person like a thing. For such a couple, there'd be no lying beneath the stars, whispering to each other their hopes and dreams for the future. No chatting over coffee about their responses to the morning news. We don't stay up that late to see the stars anyway. But no chatting over coffee about their responses to the morning news. No long rides in the car through the countryside, just enjoying the beauty together. We treat God like a thing when we pray only when we want something. He really wants a relationship with us, to hear from us our thoughts, our wishes, our dreams, and to share his with us in the most loving ways. The great saints have said that nothing much matters to them in this life except their communion with God. Nothing matters but their communion with God. Can we say that? Nothing matters but my connection with God. We can see that's a good place to be in some ways because our ultimate destiny is to be happy with God in heaven forever. No one can take the ultimate destiny away from us, nor can that happiness in eternity rot away, be lost in a flood or a fire or a hurricane. God 
can't go bankrupt or go to jail or lose everything in a lawsuit or a hostile takeover. Nothing and no one can disturb God or God's love for us in the slightest. I believe that. But anything we want here on earth, even once, even, even once we get it, can last only so long. Listen, anything we want here on earth can last only so long. Any chances are good. That very thing, once we possess it, wouldn't help us along the way to our eternal destiny. In fact, in fact, it might push it toward the opposite direction, the very direction in which we don't want to go. God knows, this is where he really starts to answer the question, what if he doesn't answer my request? I, I am in Christ. I, I am rooted in him. I am producing fruits. My motives are pure. I'm passionate about this. God knows what will help us toward our eternal destiny of happiness with him and what won't. And he'll provide everything we need from him to work toward that destiny if we let him. What he won't provide is something that will one day prove to be an obstacle to that happiness that he wants for us. Naturally, we can't know for certain which people, places, and things in life will lead us to eternal happiness and which won't. That's why we have to trust him. Let me say that again. We can't know for certain which people, places, and things will lead us to eternal happiness. We have to to trust Him. We increase our trust in Him when we love Him. We love Him when we get to know Him, for He is infinitely lovable, and no one who knows God even a little can help but love Him. It's good to ask God for what we want and need, but ultimately, it's better not just to ask, but also to trust Him to provide what's good for us. I wish somebody had gave me this answer instead of yes, no, or wait. That'll suffice. It's not a bad answer. Does God always answer prayer? Yes, no, or wait. But it's good to ask God for what we want and need, but ultimately, it's better not to just ask, but to trust Him to provide what's good for us. We build that trust when we build a relationship with Him through prayer even when we don't understand it, even when it's filled with hurt and pain, we trust him. We trust him. We trust him. Amen. Requests is to ask, but it gives attention to the content of the requests. Motives matter. So does desire and passion. So I'm going to ask you to join this journey with me today, this journey that we've been on, that we've chosen, if we could put the map up there for us, we've chosen to leave anxiousness. We've chosen, there's things that, you know, that take our eyes off of Jesus, those things that we worry, we've chosen. That's not where we're going to live. That's not where we're going to stay. And through prayer, supplication, thanksgiving, and requests, we are heading to peace. Amen? Amen. So we're going to make some requests to God. And you already have requests that are popping up in your head. The first thing we're going to do is make sure our motives are pure. 
Our motives are pure. And remember, how do we do that? Our roots have to be tapped into Jesus. So if you'd bow your heads just for a moment, bow your, if you, yeah, just right where you're at, just bow your heads just for a moment, just for a moment, just for a moment. We're just going to dig in. We're just going to say, God, I, I want my roots to be tapped into you. I want to produce good fruit. A, a, a good tree does not bear bad fruit. So I want to be a good tree, and that's the only way to do that is to have my roots in you, in Christ, in Christ. So just say this all across this building, everybody together from the depths of your heart, all at once, nobody's going to be embarrassed, nobody's going to be singled out, but just say, Dear Jesus, come on, all together, Dear Jesus, I need you. Come on, be passionate about this. Help me come into my life as my Savior. Forgive me of my sins and help me to live for you from this moment on. So you tap into Jesus. Make sure your motives are pure. We cry out to him with passion and desire. We make our requests made known to God.